John chapter 6. John chapter 6. By the way, and I haven't mentioned this probably like I should, uh, nurseries, the nurseries are available if you need a nursery. And I know these are tough days with everything that's going on. And a lot of our people have young children. If you need the nurseries, they are open. We would just ask if you do <clears throat> put your kids in the nursery that you stay with them and supervise supervise with them. The screens are going in there so you can watch the service uh, by way of the closed circuit televisions in the nurseries. And then I want to encourage all of our membership. If you're a member of Calvary Baptist Church, I want to encourage you to be back in the service tonight at 6 p.m. We're going to baptize tonight. And so uh, it's very important that you come and support those that are being baptized. But I have a very important message that I want to try to give to our church tonight. And so I hope that all of our church membership, all of, and everybody, not just our church membership, but, but especially our ch church membership, if you would be so kind as to be back in the Lord's house tonight. John chapter 6 in your Bibles, and when you find your place, if you'll stand with us today out of respect for the reading of God's Word, <clears throat> John chapter 6 is one of the longer chapters in the book of John, but I encourage you to go back and read the whole thing in its entirety. <clears throat> I wish we had time to do that today. John 6 deals with the bread of life, and Jesus feeds the multitude. You know that story. We preached from it not, not, very, not very long ago. Uh, but also then Jesus takes the opportunity to begin teaching how he is the bread of life. Doesn't sound like that would stir up a lot of trouble, but then ended up stirring up quite a, quite a turbulent time. And people didn't like the message that Jesus gave. We're going to pick up in that story just a little bit at least in verse number 35. And we'll read down through verse number 44 today. Uh, John chapter 6 verse number 35 says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now I want you to skip down, if you will, with me to verse number 54. And the Bible says, and again, the Lord is speaking here, verse 54, and this is where it began to get sort of rocky. Jesus said, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, the reason that upset them so bad is because they totally missed the message that he gave them a little earlier uh, in the day. Jesus told them exactly what he was speaking of when he said to eat my flesh and to drink my blood. But they were thinking physical. They, they weren't thinking spiritual. 
And time and time again, you read the chapter, time and time again, the Lord said, I'm talking spirit. I'm talking spirit. I'm speaking spirit. And yet they were so focused on the physical that they could not grasp what the Lord was trying to say spiritually. And by the way, may our prayer be today that we are not so focused on the physical that we totally miss what the Lord wants to give us spiritually today. I want to talk to you a few minutes this morning on the subject, the last day. The last day. We preached Wednesday night or taught Wednesday night sort of along this same line. And uh, well, I'm hoping the Lord's letting us teach on this because we're getting close. I hope that his coming is soon. We need his coming to be soon. If you're not ready for the coming of the Lord, today is a great day for you to be ready. And Jesus is waiting, and he does care, as Brother Mike sang today. He does care. I know he cares, and he wants to help you today. It could be there's somebody watching my way of live stream, and they feel like they're on their very last leg. I mean, it's just they're at the end of the rope. And can I just tell you, if you're watching my live stream, Jesus does care for you. And he wants you to be prepared for that last day. You may be seated this morning. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray while I pray. And then we'll jump right into the Bible study this morning. Father, thank you for your blessings. And thank you for letting us be back at Calvary. We not only need to touch spiritually this morning, but we need to touch physically this morning. And you know what I'm speaking of. And God, I, I pray that you'll forgive us of anything in our life that can even begin to be a hindrance. I don't know about the people. I can't see their hearts. But I do ask you to forgive me of anything in my life that could hinder the working of the Holy Spirit. And I pray publicly right now that you'd cleanse me of any sin. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with the Holy Spirit. God, we need your Holy Spirit today. God, fill us with the Spirit of God. God, that's not just for the preacher. That's for the people. Lord, I can't preach like I'm supposed to preach unless I be filled with the Holy Spirit. But Lord, they can't listen like they're supposed to listen unless they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Lord, for a little while, I pray that we'll tune out the physical. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll be spiritually minded. Speak to our hearts. Challenge us as Brother Brandon prayed just a moment ago. Save that one that is nearest the pit of hell. Lord, they don't even know it. But Lord, this very moment, it could be that their life is at its closing moment. And I pray that you'd save that one that's lost and undone without Jesus. And then, Lord, I pray that you would encourage that saint that is discouraged today. We pray that the precious Son of God would receive honor and praise and glory from all that's done. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. And if there is any sermon that people desire to hear today, it is a sermon on what we call eschatology. Eschatology. Or the final destiny of the soul or the final destiny of humankind. Eschatology deals with the end. It deals with that which is final. The events of the future. When is the final chapter? Someone may ask, preacher, when is that day? When is the last day? When is the, when is the book finally going to be closed? When are we going to take our 
last breath? When will be the last day on this earth? When is the Lord going to come again? And so with that said, just for a few moments this morning, I want to talk to you about the last day. Interesting. Whenever you're reading Scripture and Jesus makes it a point to repeat himself, you can guarantee something that the Lord is trying to emphasize a point. Do you understand this morning that God wastes no portion of Scripture? There's nothing in there that's just in there for filler. It's not like the Lord came and said, well, I need to put a little bit more in John chapter 6. And so let me say this again. That's not what it was at all. And so whenever you see something said once and then said again and repeated, you can rest assured that it is intended to be there. But we find in John chapter 6 that the Lord Jesus Christ mentions this thing of the last day not once, not twice, not even three times. But we notice that Christ mentions the last day four times in succession. He mentions it almost one after another in a row. And it's very apparent here that the Lord Jesus Christ is trying to emphasize a point. And the point that the Lord is trying to emphasize, I believe, is this, that there is a last day. There is a last day. We live sometimes like there is no last day. And by the way, this is not negative or, or doomsday preaching or morbid preaching this morning. I'm just going to tell you, I'm looking forward to the last day. It's not, it is not something I'm dreading. I'm thankful that I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep me under that day. And, uh, and, and so I'm not, I'm not preaching a, a, a depressing message this morning, but there is coming a last day. Look back at your scripture this morning, if you will. John chapter 6 and verse number 39. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Skip down to verse number 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Down to verse 44. No man come, can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. And so I want to take a few moments today if I could. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that subject, that thought, the last day. And several things that we know about the last day. May I say, first of all, we know the people of the last day. Someone says, preacher, who will be, who will be exactly, who exactly will be saved in the last day? Who's going to be the survivors of the last day. When that day comes, uh, the dawning of the Lord, when that day comes, who will be left standing at 
the last day. And may I quickly say, I can definitely tell you who it won't be. It won't be those who are standing defiantly against the Lord. It won't be those who are standing in rebellion against the Word of God. It won't be those who are trying to come across with a, with a, a godless message today and legislating unrighteousness. I can promise you this, that those people will not be left standing as survivors in the last day. And so, Mr. Atheist, can I share a message with you this morning? Just go ahead and shake your fist in the face of God and say that creation is just a happening. It just happened to happen. That this is all just a big cosmic mistake. Go ahead and say that if you want to. But may I tell you that you'll not be standing in the last day. Psalm 14, 1 tells us this, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Mr. Politician, go ahead and legislate wholesale murder of the unborn. Go ahead and redefine biblical marriage between a man and a woman. Go ahead and remove God from our schools and our courtrooms. But I'm telling you, when the last day comes, you will not be standing when Jesus comes again. Isaiah 5.20, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Go ahead, Mr. Liberal, and say that there are many ways to heaven, that Jesus is not the only way, that there can't be just one way But may I remind you this morning that you'll not be standing in the last day. Please please, please understand something this morning, Calvary Evangelist Church, and those that are watching by way of live stream, that the people of the last day will be those who specifically belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who have born again, been born again by the precious blood of Jesus. By the way, don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. John chapter 6. Verse number 40, the Bible says, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Can I just ask you a question this morning? Do you belong to him? You say, preacher, I know him, or I know of him, and I want to ask a question. Does he know of you? You say, I know Jesus. Can I ask you a question? Does he know you? Do you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know that 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 you're born again, that you're saved by the good grace of God, that your name is written in heaven, that you're on your way to heaven? Oh, you say, Pastor, nobody can know that. Oh, yes, surely they can. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Thank God we can know that we're born again. And by the way, by the way, if you know him and if you belong to him I've got some great news he will never lose you now that may not be popular preaching but I didn't come here to preach popular preaching today I came here to preach this book 
And I'm glad that I can come here today on the authority of the Word of God, not based upon the authority of a Bible college or some well-known evangelist. I'm glad I can come to you here today based upon the authority of God's Word and tell you that we have a salvation that's not only great, but we have a salvation that is eternally secure. You say, Pastor, I'm doing my best to keep myself. Well, you might as well stop because you can't. But he can. In fact, let me give you some verses. John chapter 6, verse 39. Look what the Lord says, and this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose how many? Nothing. But should raise it up again at the last day. Verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You don't have to turn, I'll read it for you. John chapter 10, verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man, no man, I said, no man. You say, preacher, I'm afraid I'm gonna make myself lose my salvation. No man, no man. I can't take your salvation away, but I got good news. You can't take your salvation away. If you're born again, you are in Jesus and Jesus is in God and no man can pluck you out of his hand. Well, hallelujah, that's good news this morning. John 5, 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not, and shall not, and shall not, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now I want you to hold your place in John chapter six. But I want you to turn somewhere with me, if you will, today. First, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 20 today. Boy, I'm so glad I have a salvation that's secure. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 20. This is going to bless you. Man, it blessed me. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 20. The Bible says, for all the promises of God in him are yea. And in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now he which establisheth us with, with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. Look at this last part. Who hath also sealed us and given the, what's the next word? Earnest. And had given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Did you know the, the world understands that term? They understand earnest money. You know what earnest money is? Earnest money is when somebody says, I want that. I want that piece of land. I want that car. I want that four-wheeler. I want that. And I don't want anybody else to have it. And so I'm going to come and I'm going to put down earnest money on that. It is a down payment. It is saying that that is mine. It belongs to nobody else. It exclusively belongs to me. Nobody else can have it. And it's also, it is also insurance that I am coming back to claim what is my own. 
Did you know the Bible tells us that when you got born again, that God put down earnest on you? You were filled with God's Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God came. Yes, yes, Jesus is helping us today. Amen. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. You know what that, that what God was saying? God was saying, that's mine. That's mine. I saved it. I redeemed it. I bought it. I purchased it. And by the way, it is, it is insurance that I'm coming back to claim what is my own. You say, Pastor, how do you know that Jesus is coming back? I'll tell you how I know. Because, hallelujah, he put a down payment on me oh I have I have a salvation that is eternally secure Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says it like this and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed sealed unto the day of redemption when I was in Bible college, I worked at a place called Overnight Transportation. We would, we would load those trailers out all night long. And when that trailer was fully loaded, all the documents were in, all the freight was put in, we would pull that door down shut, and then we would place a seal on that door. And that seal was to ensure that that trailer got to its destination undisturbed. Boy, if nobody else getting a blessing this morning, I'm getting one. I mean, man, it's just heaven is open this morning. I'm so glad, my dear friend, many, many years ago, in a little country church, in a little backwood office, the Holy Spirit of God began to convict my heart. The Father began to draw me. I went and talked to my pastor. My pastor took out his Red Schofield Bible and began to lead me down the Romans Road. And he said, Stephen, would you like to pray and receive Christ? I said, yes, I would. Preacher, yes, I would. And that day, I opened my heart to him. I bowed my head and prayed to him. And I said, Lord, I don't want to go to hell, but I want to go to heaven with you. I want you to save me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. On that day, God put a seal on my soul. The trailer got locked. The, the, the trailer got sealed. And by the way, the freight is insured until I get to glory. You don't have a flimsy salvation. Have it today, lose it tomorrow. Get it back next week, lose it for a month. Now you, if you have that kind of salvation, you may have gotten it from a preacher. Or you may have gotten it from signing a card. But if you got the real deal, it's eternally secure. And those who are going to be the survivors, those who are going to be victorious in the last day are those that have the seal, those that belong to him. He's going to recognize you. By the way, you're going to recognize him. You say, I've never saw him. You'll recognize him. You'll know who he is by the scars in his hands. Oh, I want to tell you what. We know the people of the last day, but number two, number two, we know the particular event of the last day. If you're still in John chapter six, notice verse number 44. And Jesus said, no man can come to me except the father which has sent me, draw him and I will raise him up. I will raise him up 
at the last day. For the saved, for those that are born again, the last day will be the rapture of the church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now I know we have theologians in here today. You say, well, you know, preacher, you know, really though, the last day, I, I get it, I get it. But I'm just telling you, you preach what you won't preach. But for those who are saved, the rapture will be the last day. You see, for those who are saved, the rapture will be the very last day of problems. <laughs> no more sorrow. No more of the things that we're going through. No more persecution. It'll be the last day of pettiness. It'll be the last day of pandemics. Can I get an amen right there? It'll be the last day of physical affliction. I'm talking about Alzheimer's. I'm talking about Parkinson's. I'm talking about dementia. I'm talking about leukemia. I'm talking about pancreatic cancer. Oh, hallelujah. It'll be the last day. Oh, dear friend, I'm here to tell you, there'll be no baby caskets in that fair land. There'll be no graveyards on the hills over there in glory. There'll be no more problems. There'll be no more prejudice. There'll be no more poverty. There'll be no more profanity. There'll be no more punishment. There'll be no more perplexity. You see, you see, for me, this life is as bad as it's ever gonna get. Because when the trumpet blows, oh, I know, seven years tribulation, I got it. Thousand-year millennium, I understand. But I'm just saying that for me, when that day comes, no more burdens, no more worries, no more mask wearing, no more disease, no more, no more problems, no more protest. You say, preacher, I'm going to be honest with you. This life hadn't been very fair to me. You say, preacher, I'll be honest with you. I've never had very much in this life. But can I remind you of something? That at the last day, you'll receive all that Jesus has prepared for you. Matthew 25, 34, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. If you go to, you don't have to go there physically. But if you were to go to 2 Samuel, chapter number 9. Interesting story. Saul, King Saul is now dead. And Jonathan, who was one of the greatest friends that David ever had, has also perished. And David is feeling that, that closeness to Jonathan. He loved Jonathan as his own soul. <laughs> oh, glory. Whoa. 
And David said, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I can show them some kindness? And a servant by the name of Ziba came up and he said, king, there is yet one. He's a little one. He's a, a, a young, younger man. And he lives in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar, it means pastureless. You know, they believe that, it, it basically in our vernacular, it would mean this. Uh, it, it means that basically it was in the middle of nowhere. It was believed that Lodabar was a little ghetto town. <laughs> Mephibosheth is living there. And uh, he's a cripple on top of that. He was dropped early in life and now he's lame in his legs, his feet. And he's living in this ghetto town and, and Ziba says, King, there is yet one. His name is Mephibosheth. And David said, get my entourage together. And he said, I want you to send him to Lodabar. Can you all imagine that? You know, kings didn't, kings didn't just go somewhere with little Onto, you know, it was a little fanfare. I mean, I, honestly, I believe this. I believe that day because Lodabar, they, they was like Mayberry US, maybe RFD. They, they never, I mean, they never, you know, they changed the marquee. That was the highlight of the week. I mean, you know, there was nothing, nothing going on in Lodabar. And all of a sudden, here comes the king's chariots and the king's stallions and his men rolling to Lodabar. Everybody notices and like, whoa, what's going on? They begin to look for Mephibosheth. Somebody says, yes, he lives right over here in this little shanty, this little lean-to, over here in his rags. And the men go over there and they say, Mephibosheth, the king has sent us here. And the king wants us to fetch you back to his home. Man, Mephibosheth loads up in that chariot. They take him back to the king's palace and David brings him in, and he says, Mephibosheth, he said, you're going to sit at my table. You're going to eat my food. He said, you're going to be like a son to me, and you're going to, you're going to live here in the palace. And I, I thought about that story, and I thought, my dear friend, you know what that is? That is a picture. That's absolutely a picture. That's an Old Testament illustration of the New Testament's truth. And I'm telling you, one of these days, my Lord is coming back to fetch me. He's going to take me home with him. And for eternity, I'm going to live forever with him. And I'm going to inherit his kingdom and his blessing and his heaven. Oh, man, we ought to just give the Lord praise today. Great story. There was a father and a son who lived in New York City. The wife and the boy's mother, of course, they had, had passed away years before that. And this dad and this boy had such a close relationship. They were very, very well off. In fact, the story goes that they had, they had gathered over $40 million just in paintings. They loved artistry and the son was quite the artist and he and his dad would go to art galleries and auctions and they would purchase beautiful paintings. I'm, I'm talking about Van Gogh, I'm talking about Picasso. That over $40 million in paintings alone in their wealth. The son loved to paint and he was an accomplished artist 
When the war broke out, he enlisted and he went off to fight for his country. The story goes that the dad lived for every letter. And he would wait for the mailman to come and he would hope there was a letter in there from his boy. And when there was, he would sit down and he would read that letter over and over and over again. And then one day, the letters quit coming. And finally, a letter did come, but this letter was different. This letter was from the War Department. And it said this, Sir, we're sorry to have to inform you that your son was tragically killed in the service to his country. The dad was devastated. He was devastated. It was about three months later, there came a door, a knock at the door, this beautiful palatial mansion. And the servant went to the door and there was a young man standing there and he said, I'm here to see so-and-so called the man's name. And the servant said, well, he said, uh, he's not seeing anybody right now. And he said, well, would you do this? Would you tell him that I knew his son? The servant went back and he said, sir, I don't know who it is. A young man, it's a nice looking young man. I know you're not seeing anyone, but he said he knows your son. The dad said, bring him in. He brought him into the sitting room and they, they sat down and the young man said, sir, said, I know you don't know me, but he said, I know you. He said, in fact, I know you well. He said, I was in the, I was in the military. I was in the war with your son. And he said, I didn't know if anybody necessarily told you how your son had died. And the dad said, no. And he said, your son died rescuing his comrades. In fact, he said, he said, when your son took that fatal bullet to the heart, he said, I was over his shoulder. He was carrying me to a place of safety when that bullet struck his body and and he said, I, I just wanted you to know. He reached down in the bag and he pulled out a, a painting. It wasn't a very good painting. And he said, sir, I know you love art. And he said, I know your son loved art. He was a fantastic artist. He said, I am not. But he said, I did do this. He said, I painted a picture of your son. As I remembered him when we were fighting together. He gave it to the dad. And the dad cherished that picture. He put it over his fireplace and for hours he would sit there and he would look at that picture and he would think about his son. The story goes that this man became somewhat of a recluse and became detached from society and sure enough, eventually he passed, passed away. And he had left it in his will and testament that at his passing, all of his wealth was to be auctioned off. Well, when word began to spread, people literally began to come from every part of the world. They wanted those paintings. They wanted that, that artistry. They, they wanted those things. And so, sure enough, they came there that day, huge crowds. The auctioneer got up there and said, we're going to begin. And all of a sudden, he pulled, reached for a picture. And he removed the velvet off of the picture. And he said, before we can do anything else, he said, we have got to take care of this painting first. It's a picture of this man's son. It wasn't very good. The frame wasn't, <laughs> the frame wasn't a lot to brag about. 
It wasn't wonderful art. But the auctioneer said, we got to take care of this first. Somebody even spoke out and said, that's junk. We didn't come here for that. Get to the real stuff. Get to the valuable stuff. Get to the expensive stuff. And the auctioneer said, we've got to do this. It's specified in the will. We've got to do this first. And, and then he began to shout, who will take the son? And people were saying, get that out of here. That's junk. Get that out of here. And the auctioneer said, who will take the son? Who will take the son? Who will take the son? And all of a sudden, one of the caretakers that had been in that mansion for a long, long time happened to walk through and he saw what was going on. And the caretaker from the back of the room said, I'll give 10 $10. It's all that I have. But he said he was one of the finest young men I ever knew. At that, the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, sold. When he did that, he picked up that gavel and went. All bidding is now closed. And they said, do what? We came here from the other side of the world. All bidding is now closed. He said it was specified in the will and testament of this father. Yes, he who takes the son receives all of my wealth. And I'm here to tell you this morning, my dear child of God, yes, well, somebody better hold the door. I'm about to have a spell this morning. I'm telling you, somebody better hold my mule. I'm telling you, thank God, 39 years ago when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, somebody said, who will take the son? Who will take the son? And hallelujah. I said, I will, I will. And the, and the Lord stepped up and said, hey, all bidding is now closed, amen, because you're going to get everything I've got. We know the people. We even know the particular event, but let's bring this thing to a close. Can I tell you something else we know about the last day? We know the purpose. The purpose can I say very kindly, the purpose of the last day is not so you can get your wings. One of these days I'm going to get my wings, not unless you're an angel. And I don't pastor any. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> angels are going to be angels. Saints are going to be saints. You're not going to go to heaven just for enjoyment, although it's going to be so enjoyable. You're not going to go to heaven just for the purpose of enjoying a fellowship. But the purpose and the culmination of the last day will be for one gigantic purpose. Can I show you what it is? Would you take your Bibles? We're done. Would you take your Bibles turn to Revelation 5? Revelation chapter 5. In verse number 11, God gives, gives John the revelator. He lets him see heaven. And John begins to see this vision. And God says, John, write it down. Write it down so this preacher can preach on it. On November the 15th at Calvary Baptist Church, what's going to be happening in heaven? 
What is the, really the purpose of the last day? Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast, and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. I studied that out, and basically what John was saying was this. I couldn't count them all. It was a sea. Folk, I'm telling you, I'm about, y'all better pray for me. I'm about, to, I'm about to blow a fuse this morning. I really John said, I looked. Man, preacher, can you imagine? And he looked, and he said, they were everywhere. Every direction. Thousands and thousands and thousands. I'm going to tell you something, church. The devil ain't got them all. Look at it. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a quiet voice? No, no. Saying with a loud voice, worthy. (laughs) Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the, uh, under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in, in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne under the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders, by the way, that's you and me. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Are you going to enjoy heaven? Yes. Are you going to fellowship in heaven? Yes. Are you going to explore in heaven? Yes. But the main reason that you and I are going to that place called heaven is for all of eternity. We will worship, we will praise, and we will adore the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. If that be the case, You reckon we ought to get started now? You say, when I, one of these days, preacher, when I get to heaven, why are you waiting? If you're going to do it for eternity, and by the way, you're going to enjoy it. When you finally behold him, (laughs) when you finally behold him, You'll say, man, what was I thinking? Why did I think so much of that car, that truck? Why was I so consumed with that house? When you finally get there, you'll say, oh, wow. The half has not been fancy. What a God. What a Savior. I ask you a question. You ready for the last day? Are you ready? If you're not ready, today would be a great day to get that way. If you've not been praising, today would be a great day to start practicing, which is what really church is all about. We're just getting ready for glory. Let's bow our heads, Father. Thank you for this time we've had together this morning. What a God.
What a God. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. What a God. What a Savior. Lord, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the Son of Man that thou visitest him, who are we that you would even think of us? I don't know how to answer that outside of grace. But I sure am glad you did. Thank you, Lord, that I am ready for the last day. If there may be one here this morning that doesn't know Christ as personal Savior, I pray today would be that day that they get in. Save that one that's watching by way of live stream today that doesn't know the Lord. And God, help us to be prepared for the Lord to come. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Just two questions. Number one, how many are here today would say, Preacher, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know that I know that I know that I am saved. And if you can honestly say that, would you slip your hand up today? Preacher, I know that I am saved. Isn't that a blessing? Hallelujah. You can lower your hands. I won't embarrass you for the world. But I wonder if there might be one here today, anywhere, who would say, Pastor, in all honesty, I couldn't raise my hand. And if I died today, I'm not sure I'm ready for the last day. I want to be. I signed a card one time. I made a speech in front of a church. But I don't know that I'm ready for the last day. Pastor, please remember me in prayer. Right now, you'd slip your hand up. You'd say, preacher, pray for me. Is there one like that today? And I can pray for you. I'm not embarrassed. I just want to pray for you. Raise it real high so I don't miss you. I see a little hand. Is there anybody else? Preacher, that's me. That's me. Hey, church, are you ready for the last day? If not, today might be a wonderful day to tiptoe down to an old-fashioned altar and say, Jesus, would you help me to be ready? Help me to be ready. Let's all stand around the house. Father, <clears throat> thank you for this time. Lord, I want to thank you for speaking to my heart today. Lord, it's pretty much a given that I won't get their attention if I don't have my own or if you don't have my own. I thank you for getting my attention today. I thank you, Lord, for reminding me that you're a gracious and a merciful and a wonderful God. Father, have your way in the invitation. Save those that are lost. Encourage those that are saved. And I pray that folks will use the altar. And Lord, help us to be ready for the coming of the Lord. We love you and praise you and ask you for your blessing now. In Jesus' name, we pray. And our heads are bowed.